Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast, where the church's status quo and sacred cows get rounded up, simmered down, and dished out. And now, here's your chief cook, author, innovator, filmmaker, and founder of Group Publishing, Tom Schultz. Welcome to the Holy Soup Podcast. You know, in watching trends that affect the church, it seems more and more people are concerned today with safety and security issues. Nowadays, churches are referred to even as soft targets for those who wish to attack and cause mass casualties. But actually, the likelihood of that kind of attack occurring at a church near you may be very small. But what about other dangers that may be much more likely? How well prepared are most churches for the real and present dangers? Well, joining us today is an expert in this area of church safety and security. He's Craig Cable, who trains church security teams across the country, and he's the creator of the new Shepherd's Watch Safe and Secure Church Training Resource for local churches. Welcome, Craig. Hi, good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Craig, most churches, thankfully, will not have to deal with a mass shooter, but what kinds of situations are a common threat for most churches, would you say? You know, I, I think most churches oftentimes focus on the active shooter because uh, that active threat or loss of life is so scary. But the truth is uh, they're much more likely to encounter slips and falls in their parking lot, um, medical incidents, cardiac arrest, stroke, uh, someone fainting. Um, we're seeing an increase in domestic disturbances, uh, protection orders in place, violations of protection orders. Um, but also churches are in their role of ministry often also encounter uh, homeless people who may be uh, under the influence of drugs or alcohol, and we're even seeing an increase in people who maybe are having some emotional uh, or psychological challenges and bringing those issues and incidences into the church. You mentioned uh, domestic disturbances that people have. Those are coming out of families, and sometimes families wind up meeting in the church parking lot. Yeah, and you you hope the churches are there for families when they're going through a crisis, uh, whether or not that's an estranged relationship or filed for divorce. And so you find that churches attract people who are are really going through some difficult Mm. times. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that those uh, challenges that are often found in the home now are introduced into our houses of worship uh, because we're trying to minister to these people. But there are definitely uh, an increase in... Um, the issuance of protection orders of people, and oftentimes, uh, if you think about it, the estranged spouse knows they're going to be there at this one location at this particular time. And so if they have ill intent, that's the best time to corner that person in the parking lot or, or worse in your children's ministry room. And those highly charged, highly emotional situations can sometimes be the most dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. We uh, we had an incident where uh, there was a protection order in place. The law enforcement were looking for the spouse, and the spouse was known to have weapons. And so for about a, a week period until they arrested, uh, it was a husband, security would escort her to her vehicle. You know, that you wouldn't think that would be something that would be required of a volunteer church, but mm. there was a potential that we would have a, a very dangerous situation. Mm. Well, a lot to think about. Well, how are many churches really leaving themselves open to unnecessary risks and, and potential harm? 
You know, I, I think uh, after Sutherland Springs, uh, tragic mm-hmm. events in November of 2017 mm-hmm. in Sutherland Springs, I think there was a, a real reaction and a receptivity to churches uh, developing safety and security teams, where I would say it wasn't commonplace up until then. It became fairly ubiquitous that a, a church would have a safety and security team. But what I found was is that those teams and focus were largely around preventing or responding to an active uh, shooter mm-hmm. threat, mm-hmm. while overlooking the most common incidents and risks that they were likely to encounter. And so you can kind of see if you're uh, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. <laughs> Mm. And and there's a lot of nuances to safety and security in our churches, and I would say there was a disproportionate level of training and focus, which actually put the churches uh, at a greater risk and liability uh, because they were ill-prepared for the things that they were most likely to encounter. Mm. Wow. You know, it seems that there's often two schools of thought when it comes to church security. Some churches want to show obvious signs of force, like armed police or guards at all the entrances and so on. Others, uh, including a lot of pastors, I think, believe that that kind of armed presence is scary to average people and takes away from the warm hospitality feel that uh, the church is trying to project to the community. From your experience, what's the best approach today? Our church has a uniformed presence, so we wanted to be seen, we wanted to be visible, and actually uh, a visible security presence is the first level of the force continuum. Use of force is just having a visible presence. Mm. I would say about a year ago, uh, that was fairly rare. Most churches were utilizing either an organic self-proclaimed security team Mm. and they were ununiformed or unidentifiable. Um, but I would say I'm starting to see that more and more, or that churches are beginning to adopt the the benefits of having a presence. And and one of those major benefits are is it's a deterrent. Someone when they they perceive that the church is a soft target, uh, which would lead you to believe that they're going to be unchallenged if they were going to do something there. But when they walk in and see a visible security presence, they will leave, and you will never know the crimes that you deterred. As a result of that, but I, I'm finding that's becoming much more widely adopted by most security teams. But what about from the regular peace-loving congregant, the the church attender, when they see security versus no security? What what's their perception? Yeah, I think the the concern or the question that leadership had is what will be the reaction by the congregation having a security presence? And I think they found that not only is it uh, accepted, it's appreciated. I think people aren't immune to understanding or knowing uh, what's happening in the world around us. And so when they see that security presence, uh, they're very grateful for that. Uh, and uh, it's it, Sunday doesn't go by that someone doesn't walk up to me and thank me for being there. Mm-hmm. It, it allows them to come and worship and enjoy the service without concerns for themselves or their families. And we actually see at our church more young families coming because they see a, a safety and security presence. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure you've heard the comment from some people, hey, th- this is the church. This is, this is God's house. And where, where is the place of faith? Where is the place of reliance on God? Why, why do we have to show this force and, and picture of security or even armed security when we're supposed to be thinking that God will protect us? Yeah, well, we don't, we don't have a shift at our church, a security shift, without opening that up to prayer, asking for God's Mm. blessing and and presence in today's services. 
And so it is, it is thoughtfully and prayerfully considered every single Sunday. Um, but I also think we have a responsibility. I think God has, has blessed us with people, uh, with passion and training and a willingness to be not only the hands and feet of Jesus in serving the ministerial role of security, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, but also um, I think we're called to protect the people who have come to worship and that evil is real and uh, evil deeds uh, can occur and have occurred. And so I believe that there is still a strong amount of faith, but also that we're playing our role into serving uh, the mission of the church in today's uh, the unfortunate challenges of today's culture. Should we think of it sort of like insurance? I mean, most churches have insurance from fire protection to liability to whatever. Is uh, having a security presence one more aspect of, of insurance? Very analogous, yeah. I, I, I think we wouldn't bat an eye on saying we need to make sure that our fire extinguishers are kept up to code. Mm. It, it's like that. But it, it's once again, it goes back to if church safety and security is only seen as enforcement, then it's a it's a begrudging acceptance or responsibility. But if you see that as a frontline ministry to helping to reach people and connect with people in, in, in who may be experiencing a crisis, you see security differently. It, it's not something you do begrudgingly, but something that you actually welcome because it's an important part of your church's mission. Mm. Now, I want to come back to that in a minute. But first, more and more churches uh, are implementing security teams, I think we see. Uh, what, are, what are some of the common gaps or oversights or mistakes that you've seen security team members make today? It, it goes back to the reaction, is that we developed a safety and security team in a reaction to a fear. And I would say the, the goal of a, of, of a functional team is not to react, but to respond. And to be able to respond, you have to do that uh, with thoughtful planning and consideration. You have to look at your church's unique mission and ministry to the community. How is it in alignment with that? Uh, you have to train. Uh, training, I would say, is probably the biggest uh, deficit that I'm encountering as I work with a lot of different church safety and security teams or it's a lack of understanding what are the common risks, the lack of understanding of their role, and not being adequately trained and resourced to be successful in that role. And we've got uh, here a sample on the desk in front of us here, your new Safe and Secure Church training kit. And I assume that uh, that's got exactly what you're talking about in it in terms of training. Tell us what's in this kit. Yeah, the heart behind the kit was how do we how do we serve the local church in this important need, but do so in a way that is comprehensive in nature? And so I would say there are other uh, church security uh, philosophies out there and approaches. We wanted ours to be a ministry approach. It had to start from the, the foundational principle that this is an extension of our ministry. Then we looked at, okay, what are the needs that the church would have? And, that, and it addresses how do we keep children protected? How do we develop a team and, and grow that team in an effective way? How do we align leadership around the needs of safety and security and align the team around the needs of, uh, of the mission of the leadership? How do we de-escalate situations? What would happen if an event occurred at our church? How do we train through scenario-based training, not only medical issues, which are much more common, but also the most common security-related issues? So we went into this with a very comprehensive view of what are the statistically the most common challenges, and then how do we resource the church along that way? And, and our kit, very different than other kits, use the medium of video as not only a way to communicate these 
important foundational principles and practices, but to do so in a way using uh, just very sound learning foundational principles. So the, the kit has uh, multiple manuals in it. It's got Correct. multiple DVDs. How many DVDs? There's 10 DVDs. Uh, so there's published resources, and the published resources uh, were developed by our partner, Brotherhood Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, they've been serving the local church for over 100 years, mm. and uh, we used their best practices and principles in how to develop your church's policies and procedures and checklists and, and just a wealth of information that was found in these guidebooks, planning books, and scenario books. And then we overlaid on top of that the, the learning principles of using video-based training as a way to take those principles and practices and put them into application. What we found is that, um, by and large, teams had the published resources, but it wasn't changing a behavior. They mm. weren't incorporating those philosophies uh, because they were just sitting on a shelf waiting to be consulted when a problem has already occurred. And we thought, nope, let's get ahead of that. Let's use video as a way to communicate these, 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 these approaches and then have that be a part of the training experience. So after every video clip, regardless of the topic, there are important thoughtful discussion questions that the team then processes to and that would help shape their uh, their policies, their procedures, and their approaches. Now, you mentioned that uh, de-escalation is one of the skills that uh, you're looking to train through these DVDs. Uh, tell us a little bit about that one in particular. As an example, uh, I think a lot of people come to that idea of de-escalating a tense situation, and they think, well, I can rely on my own uh, experience or natural response to that. How do you train for that? Yeah, I, well, for one, my background is not only in training and development, but also I'm a firearms instructor, and, and I would say even law enforcement, while there is training on arrest control and firearms, uh, they spend a large percentage of their training around de-escalation because the majority of the job is interacting with people and using good strategic communication to get what we would call voluntary compliance. If I can get you to do what I need you to do without there being a use of force or violence, we both win. I win, I get to go home, and the person wins, and they get to go home at some point. And so de-escalation uses strategic, tactical communications to help navigate what would be difficult situations for a goal, a preferred goal or outcome. What I can tell you is that it is both an art and a science. Mm -hmm. um, tactical communications is not, not natural communication. Your natural tendency is to put your foot in your mouth, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm good at that. Uh, <laughs> But what I found through my training and certification processes are you have to be very intentional, and it is a, a training methodology that is perishable. If you don't practice it, and you don't, and, and most importantly, practicing under stress, because when you're under stress, there's no telling what's going to come out, and you could inflame or, or ignite a situation unnecessarily and, and unintentionally. And uh, we just can't afford that. And so we spend there's there's a considerable amount of that time that is working with how do we how do we defuse a situation? And what I find for pastors is that's exactly what they're wanting. You know mm -hmm. how do we how do we not only defuse the situation but potentially open doors of ministerial opportunity while we're defusing the situation? Mm. Well, that is uh, something that's really unique about uh, this approach. In uh, in the Safe and Secure Church Training Kit, as well as uh, I know in your national workshops, you talk a lot about this ministry approach to security. Maybe it would be helpful for us to, to get an example of what that looks like uh, from your own experience. Yeah, I, I think, uh, for example, uh, 
a typical, and I also do private security. So mm. I, my feet are on both sides of mm. this camp. I help with uh, armed private security events where I'm, I'm an enforcer of the security policies. That's a, I take a different approach, and I have a different posture when I'm, when I'm in at the church security mm-hmm. role. And I would say the biggest difference are a typical security approach would be a show of force. Uh, I would say the church security approach is a soft presence. A, a typical security approach would see see the threat, deal with the threat. A church security approach would see the person see the opportunity to help. And it's not at the expense of, of compromising security. It's just it's an approach that changes your posture into how you're going to end, and navigate that outcome. I can keep people safe and, and use foundational principles around security, but all the while, how do I help this person get the needs that they're looking for? If I can give you an example, mm-hmm. oftentimes churches will have, I find this, is that their security presence is an off-duty officer who is in their lobby. Uh, it could be even on-duty officer. Mm-hmm. Their training equips them to deal from a security, look at it as a security approach. They have a security, strong security philosophy. It is less of a concern for them that their doors of opportunity open to where this person is ministered to afterwards. Their goal is to get the person to leave. My goal is how do we help the person to where we can keep people safe while connecting them in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Mm. And so that's, that's a huge stark difference between the two. And so I train our teams to look for those opportunities uh, to, to maybe open that door of dialogue where we can actually care for that person uh, as a whole person than just have them removed. Now, in some cases, we have to have them removed, but that doesn't mean that the ministry opportunity stops there. We will try to continue to follow up and, uh, and try to stay connected as best we can to, so we can continue to hopefully minister to the person, even if removing them from the building for the time being was in the best interest of the church and the person. And you've seen this happen at your church where someone comes in who... Uh, initially might appear to people as a, as a threat. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a situation where someone was under the influence of what we believe to be methamphetamines. Uh, he was very amped up, uh, red face, bulging veins. He was really agitated. And he came through the front door and was just storming down the aisle, and he was going to walk into the service. And so we were, in just a split second, had to decide, are we going to prevent this person and potentially uh, stop them, like tackle them to the ground, or are we going to manage the situation? And so the decision was made to let's manage it. Um, the individual came into the service, was not disruptive. Um, you could tell he was still uh, obviously agitated, uh, but shortly after he, he left. Um, walked out on his own accord. A couple months later, I ran into that individual again. He looked totally different. He he had gained some weight. He was in rehab, and he surprisingly he remembered me uh, from that encounter that day. And uh, he came up and made a point to say, "Hey, do you remember me?" And I, I did. And he said, "Just when you know, I went into rehab, and I'm trying to pull my life together." And he said, "I was in a really bad state that day. I was I'd been up for three days. I had been using drugs, and I thought if I can just get to church." Um, he knew this church. He grew up in this church, and he thought, if I could just hear this, I think I can try to turn my life around. So that was a turning point for him. If I had escalated the situation by tackling him to the ground or, or handling it in any other way, I think not only would I have gotten hurt, he'd have gotten hurt, and we'd have had a different outcome. 
that, that's a, as an example where benevolence and ministry opportunities went beyond that incident, and we were actually able to provide care for that person. Mm, wow, a lot to think about. Well, it's certainly important to be prepared for the various safety and security situations that could arise at, at a church and any church. It's, it doesn't matter uh, if you're in an urban or a rural area. It seems like uh, we've got these threats that it doesn't matter the size of the church. It, it can Absolutely. happen anywhere. Anyway. Uh, and for that, training is absolutely essential. And, and the training kit that you've created, Craig, the Shepherd's Watch Safe and Secure Church, is available at group.com and through Christian retailers. And the training seminars that you're conducting around the country, where can people learn about those? Yeah, go to group.com slash security training, one word, and you'll be able to see what upcoming locations we have. Uh, register your teams, and we recommend bringing your whole team. Mm. It's a great experience. We, we cover over the course of the day uh, many of the highlights from the kit. So we take uh, identify a particular foundational principle or practice from the kit, and we bring that into some training experiences that allow you to apply those principles in scenarios. Mm. So it's a great way for your team to work together. And the goal of the kit and the training is that we're going to teach you how to do that with the with the intention of as your team evolves and grows, you have resources that can then be utilized ongoing to continue to develop your team. Mm. And so that training experience is a great hands-on experience mm. for everyone. And I'm sure there's there's always more to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Craig. I feel safer already. Good. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning in today. And we'll see you next time on the Holy Soup Podcast. <laughs>